Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, Matt Price, who's back. You know, got a little tan there, Pricer. Uh, back from Hawaii. <laughs> Welcome back, buddy. Hey, thanks. Yeah, it was uh, it was great to get out and, and recharge. Didn't necessarily want to come back but certainly missed talking with you guys last week uh, so happy to be yeah back. we we missed you too bud for sure <laughs> <laughs> mm. ryan, ryan mcdowell how you doing <laughs> i'm doing well doing well glad to be back glad yeah, matt's this is, back this I is matt's him. one of matt's uh mind melts he came up with the rookie yes. cash stash and trash <laughs> Uh, series that we do now every off season, it feels like, and uh, I don't know if it's back by popular demand, but it's back, man. <laughs> I was gonna say you guys hate this series, and the only reason why I did it because I just wanted to hear Ryan call people trash. <laughs> Remember, that's the whole whole point of this series. So if you're looking for a real hard hitting football analysis, I'm not sure this is the show. Yeah, we are gonna get to some serious <laughs> trash though on this episode. We're we're kicking off the. Well, we're starting yeah. with the AFC East. That's all you need we're to know. We're kicking off the series it's with the AFC and the NFC East. We're going to go team by team throughout all the skill position rookies. And, you know, we'll hit every team as we go along. We'll do both East uh, divisions out of each conference. And then next week, we'll probably jump down to the South. So, fellas, um, let's jump right into it. We're going to start with the AFC East and might as well start with those Buffalo Bills. Because they drafted so many skill position players, they they did hit. We should say one <laughs> shining moment is probably that they they really addressed the offensive line, three offensive linemen, trying to protect that quarterback, maybe create a little bit of rushing room for for the seven times that they do run in a game. Uh, the only skill position player guys that they picked, however, they waited till round six. Marquez Stevenson, wide receiver out of Houston. Ryan, are we going to kick it off with a little trash? I think we have to the hit rate on the hit rate on really on these day three players in general, but especially sixth and seventh rounders is obviously pretty low. Uh, I I like Stevenson um, coming out of school, I, uh, but really not surprised he fell to the sixth round, and uh, that that depth chart is is pretty. Uh, it, it's pretty deep. It's it's pretty imposing for a, a, a rookie like Stevenson. I, I believe he's a little bit older for an incoming rookie as well. So that's another kind of strike against him. Yeah, we're, we're starting with that trash for Marquez Stevenson. Matt, you concur? 
Yeah, I mean, I I could see a, a scenario where Cole Beasley moves on, you know, next season and he takes over as the slot, maybe. But like Ryan said, the draft capital is not promising. Uh, but he's kind of a speed a speedy guy that can play out of the slot, I think, when contested catches over the middle. So, you know, maybe there's there's something there if if uh, Gabriel and Diggs are going to be on the outside. Maybe he can fill that middle middle slot role, but uh, yeah, pro- probably not. I'll, I'll I'll say I'll say borderline trash, but I think he could be a stash if you know you're in a super deep league. So so maybe we took this for granted, Dan, because we've we have done this for for a few years. But defining cash yeah, trash right. and, and and trash future trash. Uh, I mean, obviously, cash. We expect that player, even as a rookie, to pay off immediately. Is that is that kind of what you guys right. are going with? Yeah. Yep. And tra- trash is we, just we never really going to be. We expect to be part of our starting lineups in year one, or, or a potential starter in year one, even if he's a flex guy, or potentially even, I would say, a uh, a bye week fill-in, injury fill-in type guy, a guy that we, th- we think is going to put up numbers early, very yeah. early in his career. And also, as I was looking over the, the players, I, I was kind of thinking um, – about expectations according to cost. So if I think the player is um, undervalued, maybe maybe that's a cash option. Sure. Yeah. There's there's certainly room for that. I I don't know if necessarily we're gonna we're gonna heckle each other too bad for for <laughs> towing the line uh, on these kind of guys. Stevenson. He was a fun guy to to watch in the the weeks leading and months leading up to the draft because he does have that speed. He got hammered with injuries throughout his college career though so we'll see how that affected his draft stock maybe he fell slipped a little bit because of that if he were to stay healthy there is some potential down the road but most likely we're talking about a deep league stash a guy a a guy on rosters with uh, 25 roster spots or more how about the Miami Dolphins? Because there's a little bit of cash on this roster for sure, and it started right at the top at the 106 in the NFL draft. Matt, wide receiver Jalen Waddle out of Alabama. He is all kinds of cash as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he mixes in with the established players there. You know, uh, obviously Devontae Parker is kind of a replacement level player, I think, on the outside right now, but they brought in Will Fuller. Uh, who could, you know, play a similar role to Waddle, but obviously Waddle is is far more versatile, I think, than Fuller at this point in in, uh, his career. So uh, year one might be a little bit up and down, but I think we could still call him cash because I think he's definitely going to have startable weeks. Yeah, I actually listed him as as a stash player, mostly just just wanted to make Dan mad on that one. But (laughs) okay, um, no, no, no. I mean, this this Dolphins offense is clearly one that's uh, continuing to to grow and undergoing a lot of change. Uh, not only do they add Waddle, but Matt, as Matt said, adding Will Fuller as well. Preston Williams basically missed the in, entire season last year. Uh, you know, hoping that that he can come back and contribute. So, you know, I, I really see Tua spreading the ball around uh, with with this offense and. Obviously, that's going to hurt all of the players a little bit. I, I don't know that we can count on Waddle as as that weekly starter, especially uh, in this first year in his career. But, uh, of course, the upside I love. Yeah, and he's going to have those splash weeks, most likely even as a rookie. It's going to be difficult probably to identify which weeks 
he's going to be useful unless there's a slew of injuries and that gets him on the field even more. It seems like he's going to have a little bit of a floor just because they're going to try to get him those quick uh, underneath routes and get the ball in his hands and an opportunity to make plays. You mentioned some of that depth chart with Parker and Williams and Fuller, who, who as we all know, is suspended and going to miss a little bit bit of time. But there's a bunch of like recognizable names still on that roster, even beyond them. The guys like uh, Alan Hearns is on that team and Jakeem Grant is still there. So they're they're gonna if if he's one of those rookies that they say let's just bring him along slowly and he doesn't get that opportunity week one with uh, Will Fuller on the shelf then maybe it comes along slow I still think he's cash because he's gonna show his upside at at, ver- at the very least in spurts as a rookie so I'm excited to see what he can do in that rising offense down there in Miami. The Dolphins weren't done drafting rookie skill players. In the third round, they went with Hunter Long out of Boston College, Matt. He's a little bit of an underrated pass catcher, guy that can play in line and and, uh, be that security blanket, I guess, in the middle of the field. Uh, They already have Gusecki on the the roster, and he's certainly not going to get on the field right away. But Hunter Long seems like he has just enough upside to be a stash. Yeah, and I think I don't I don't notice. I think you do have to call him a stash, but I think his he's going to hurt Gasecki more than he's really going to have value himself. Uh, he sure. was like you said, he was a primary pass catcher uh, at Boston College in 2020. He had 22 percent of their receiving yards, and uh, I think 24 percent of their total uh, receive. Excuse me, yeah, of their uh, receiving yards. So, uh, and and he can do everything. He can block. He can catch. Some people have comped him to Kyle Rudolph, so he's kind of a boring op- option there. But you know, you, you have to think he's going to take something from. He's going to catch something, right? They didn't bring him in just to be a blocker, probably. So, uh, even if it's not in year one, it, you would think that it probably has some kind of negative effect on Gusecki's at least his upside you know so as that back end tight end one maybe it takes a little bit of shine off of him but as a player himself probably not we're not not someone we're going to be interested in for fantasy purposes. Ryan is he a guy that in your tight end premium leagues even in the fourth round that you're considering in drafts for the long haul? Oh sure I, I think he's really of the players we'll, we'll look at today one of the ideal stash candidates um and it's starting to feel like Mike Gusecki is one of those players that uh, dynasty managers like a lot more, you know, maybe than the Dolphins do. He is going into his uh, the final year of his rookie contract. Haven't heard much talk about any type of extension with him, so um, I don't know that they'll necessarily let him walk. But, uh, again, thinking down the road, that could certainly provide a big opportunity for Hunter Long if he can uh, show – really much of anything as a rookie. And if you watched Hunter Long while at Boston College, he looked faster and kind of even looked bigger than what he checked in at uh, as in at his pro day. Um, a guy that spread the field just a little bit and was able to make those like lunging and, and outside the frame of his body type catches. And multiple times while watching him, I came away thinking, wow, I think, I think he's pretty good. He's, he's probably probably better than what most of us in the dynasty community consider. Then he went 
in the middle of the third round. That's the type of draft capital where you can start to see these guys make an impact, maybe not in year one or even in year two, but down the road. So if you're looking for that developmental guy, Hunter Long certainly belongs on the list and is a guy that you could probably – uh, throw on your roster with your with your one of your last couple of roster spots. Let him develop there, and then just see what happens with Gasecki and with that offense. Because you know it's it's kind of rough to say, guys, but the Miami offense is something that we we all probably want a little part of at least mm-hmm. on our rosters because it is you know the arrow is pointing up. Yep. So they made one more pick in the skill positions. It was running back Jared Dokes out of Cincinnati, a guy that. I'll be honest, guys, I wasn't all that familiar with, um, but went back and watched after the selection, and turns out he was a productive guy at Cincinnati. Uh, because he landed in Miami, he's he's at least a name worth monitoring, right, Ryan? Yeah, I think so. I mean, a lot of people, of course, were expecting the Dolphins uh, to use one of those earlier picks to replace potentially replace Miles Gaskin. We know that didn't happen, obviously. So Gaskin feels safe, but... Uh, he still doesn't feel like the long-term option or the long-term answer there in Miami. So uh, whether he makes it through this year uh, and then they look elsewhere or even if it's Jared Dokes or Savan Ahmed who, who played pretty well last year as a, as a rookie, uh, turning that into a committee or, or maybe even taking that job this year. Uh, I think just because of the depth chart, Dokes has to be a stash. Feels that way for me as well, Matt. Yeah, I agree too. I agree with Ryan. I just like you said, just because of the depth chart. You know, he's got more size, I think, than anybody else on that uh, roster. Two hundred thirty pounds. Uh, you know, he's a big, strong back. Uh, he's he's got a decent top end speed, but uh, it kind of takes a while to get there. So one of those kind of backs, I'm sure you can picture in your head. So, but like Brian said, with that depth chart, you know, he he could certainly grab a, a primary role if something were to happen to Gaskin. So we were all in St. Louis for the draft and you know the the day following we all kind of went our separate ways and and uh headed for home and while i was waiting uh, in chicago at the airport uh i was going through the late round picks and the guys that i didn't know and i watched jared dokes i spent some time just just eyeballing his game and he got hit in the backfield more than any running back i've ever seen oh, no. so <laughs> I, I think that offensive line in cincinnati is really really bad so i think there's a chance he's better than what people expect he's a guy that in those ks in the kitchen sink leagues we do those auctions and he's going for a few bucks just a guy that i've i've bid on a couple times but haven't gotten because i don't have any money uh, let's move on to the New England Patriots guys because they made another splash. Uh, much like the Dolphins in the first round, they went with a big name in round one. Another Alabama guy, Mac Jones, a quarterback out of the Crimson Tide. Ryan, what are we thinking on Jones? This is a really interesting situation because they have the former MVP in Cam Newton, and it seems like they probably will lean that way early in his career. So we. We've seen quarterbacks make a splash early when they get the opportunity in recent years. Mac Jones doesn't necessarily profile as a guy that's going to do that. And I don't know, considering the weapons that are there in New England, if I really feel good about him being a cash play. It seems like the safe move and probably the smart move is to make Mac Jones a stash player. And that is what I did. I list him, listed him as a stash, and it's uh, it's more because of that the lack of offensive talent, especially at the wide receiver position, than it is about Cam Newton. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've said 
and continue to think I, I won't be surprised if Cam Newton's not on that week one roster. Uh, if they turn it over to Mac Jones or, or maybe even make a move for another veteran. Um, so I, I do think we're going to see plenty of Mac Jones, maybe even early in the season, but, but between the, the, the offensive game plan, they've made it pretty clear. They want to run the ball uh, this year and, and build their offense that way. And, uh, it just just his type of game. You know, he's not going to give us much on the ground, uh, which is what a lot of those instant impact quarterbacks offer. Uh, because of those things, I've, I've got him as, as a stash. Yep. It really feels, Matt, like, like it's what Ryan said there, the lack of weapons there. We're talking about guys like Nelson Aguilar and, and Jacoby Myers as the top two pass catchers. I guess maybe James White would be that guy outside of the tight end. So it's a it's a little bit of a tough situation to really handicap when it comes to how a rookie rookie quarterback could mesh and, and work into this offense. What are your thoughts, not only of, of what he is, either a cash dash or trash, but about this offense in general? Is it is it a good place, a, a good landing spot for Mac Jones? They they need they need to do some work for him, right? He's got all the yeah. tight ends, all the tight ends in the world. May who knows? Maybe maybe Julio ends up there. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I, it's yeah. Uh, don't do that to us, please. I, no. I think uh, I, I I just think it's going to be an interesting situation because he's either going to go into the year as a starter or he's probably not going to play much unless there's an injury because those offenses are going to be like you can't have the same offense with Cam Newton and Mac Jones, right? So despite the weapons. Um, but obviously the weapons are not good either. So it just seems like a situation we want to watch and see. And if you, you know, if you scoop them up in the back end of the first round in your super flex drafts, you, you, that's probably what you're expecting anyway, right? You probably weren't expecting to get too much out of them in year one. So uh, absolutely a stash and looking forward to see how that situation plays out. The next dip into the skill positions for the Patriots came in round four, middle round four with running back Ramondre Stevenson out of Oklahoma. Matt, th- there's, there's been a little bit of buzz about Stevenson and this landing spot. And, you know, it seems to happen every single year with these new England running backs. Anybody they draft gets that buzz and gets the fantasy community excited. I've heard so many redraft podcasts and shows Mention Ramondre Stevenson as a guy you should be looking at in your rookie drafts or startup drafts or even even redraft uh, um, leagues this fall. I, I'm just not digging it, really. It's not it's not happening for me. What are you thinking about Stevenson? Is he a cash player, stash, or future trash? I think he's a stash as well. I, I think he could be cash, you know, if if uh, things break right. Sony Michelle, I don't believe they picked up their fifth his fifth year option, right? So uh, yeah, they don't probably don't have too much faith in him. We'll use him when he's healthy in in twenty twenty one. But after that, uh, you know, he's going to be unrestricted free agent. Damian Harris has been fine, but not you know super impressive at least the way they've been using him. So uh, you know, if we looked ahead to twenty twenty two, then you could potentially see a scenario where. Where Stevenson, you know, is a bigger back. He can catch the ball pretty well for a guy of his size, like 230 pounds again. Um, so you could see a situation where next season he is he is a, a maybe not the, the lead back in that committee, but at least a very important part. And this season, if Michelle is hurt again, then it's almost like they're going to have to play him unless White is going to play a lot more uh, than we think he is only on receiving downs, right? So uh, there's a situation where he could cash this season, but I think we're more looking ahead to 2022 for Stevenson to have any real impact for us. 
So so six players down, and Matt has said stash on everybody pretty much. Right, <laughs> right in the middle. Right down the <laughs> right middle. Right in the middle. Riding that fence. Right. Uh, Ryan, how about you? What are your thoughts on Stevenson? Yeah, I guess I have to follow suit that he's a stash for me as well. Um, I, I don't think he's a cash, again, because of the depth chart. You know, we look at Damian Harris and Sony Michelle and, uh, and James White there. I, I just don't know that, that Stevenson is – He's certainly not a better pass catcher than uh, than James White, and probably not Sony Michelle either. I, I don't think he's a more talented rusher than Damian Harris, so I, I find it hard to find a way to get him on the field. You know, on the bright side, the the Patriots have been a top five rushing team in the NFL in, in two of the past three years, including last season. Obviously, their first without Tom Brady, and and again the the moves they have made this year, including drafting. Stevenson tell us they want to run the ball so I think you'll get an opportunity like you said with uh, I think it was Jalen Waddle. it's going to be tough to predict when that opportunity comes which has always been a problem with the uh, with the Patriots backfield so the the good thing is that there's not a like ace running back in New England but there it, it just never feels like there is so I think we all get sucked into it, even though we're all aware of what Bill and that that offensive uh, coaching staff likes to do over there in New England, mix up these running backs, and they all kind of find a role. And from time to time, you see them commit to a guy for spurts. So are we really going to buy Ramondre Stevenson, who is has an ADP in the middle of the third round in rookie drafts as a, as a potential cash player? It, it just, I don't buy it. I'm, I'm with you guys. It's got to be stash uh, at best for me, really. Matt, you mentioned that maybe he could be a cash player. I guess that's, that, that is the case. But I think at the most, he'd, he'd be a cash for three or four weeks. And then you're, us as dynasty players, we're probably selling him. He's, he's the one that's going to win the, all the championships this year. We see that every year with running back three and fours on rosters with guys like Savon Ahmed, right? Like They come in and contribute towards the end of the season, so maybe he's the, the, the bullet you need there in, in week, I guess it's 17 this season. Yeah. Uh, well, if that's cash, then all these guys could be cash, right? <laughs> if, if a, if a one-week stretch late in the season that could win people titles that's fair. is cash, then I guess that does it. Um, the last pick for the Patriots was wide receiver Trey Nixon out of UCF. We, we mentioned the lack of depth, Ryan, at, in New, on New England's receiver core. Is there any upside for Trey Nixon, or, or are we going right to trash here? Uh, again, that, that seventh round leads me to think uh, this is not a player I'm even going to bother drafting, uh, even if we're talking the fourth round of rookie drafts. But with that depth chart, you've got to pay at least a little bit of attention. But ultimately, I, I went with trash on Trey Nixon. Matt, Donald Driver came out of round seven. Could it be? <laughs> what? Second coming? Yeah, I'm going to go trash as well. I mean, <laughs> oh, I mean, there we go. He, Finally, he did have what? It was a broken collarbone or something all of the senior season. So, you, you know, you never know. Especially like Ryan said with that depth chart, another situation to monitor. But pr- probably not. Yeah, most likely has an upside and of being that. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just say, and also, you know, with New England's tra- track record of drafting wide receivers, you know, on top of all of that, not not such a good, good. Yeah, they don't have the track record. That's for sure. <laughs> I've been, I've, I've fallen prey to that multiple times as so many dynasty managers. How have. much, how much more valuable is Nikhil Harry than Trey Nixon? 
like a third round pick better. <laughs> who was who was the last who was the last offensive player that the Patriots drafted that really paid off? Oh man. <laughs> I think Gronk? It it's Gronk, right? Skill player? Yeah, skill. Like, yeah, the, the four. I mean that was the same year as Gronk. Yeah, that was yeah, the same year and Gronk was after. But he, yeah. Or Hernandez uh, that's, was that's after, it, I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe one of them. You could maybe say one of those running backs because they had stretches of a year or two, but they've they swung and missed so many times. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm buying any of this stuff. Well, I guess I guess Edelman, right? I guess it's Edelman. Uh, oh sure, but still, he was he, he was that sixth or seventh rounder. At, maybe Trey, at least we don't maybe have Trey to... Nixon is the answer. At least we don't have to pretend like it's going to work out and draft, you know, a player in the top two like we did with Michelle and Harry, right? So, oh. yeah, that's, at least we that's have that this really year. Really painful. <laughs> um, speaking of pain, the Jets fans have have had their fair share for sure. They're trying to turn things around, though. They, man, they invested a lot in that offense, fellas, and it started at the top with Zach Wilson out of BYU with a second pick in the NFL draft. Ryan, are you willing to stretch out the the cash play here for Zach Wilson? You've you've been uh, you've been both on board and, and kind of off board when it comes to Wilson this off season. Uh, there there's certainly things to like, but also some things that throw up red flags. What what are your thoughts on Wilson? Yeah, that's very true. That there's it's in some ways it's easy to make a case both ways for for Zach Wilson and. Uh, looking at his ADP, quarterback 20 overall right now, uh, I'm calling him my first cash play here. Uh, I, I love the value of him, for him both in startup drafts and in rookie drafts. We know he's going to start right away. And as you said, this, this Jets team with a new coaching staff, new leadership, is making a, a clear and obvious effort to improve the offense, uh, not only the skill positions, but the offensive line. Uh, Cash for Zach Wilson. I love it. I was I'm I'm right in line with you on this one because of the value that he has presented. And there, like I said, there's reasons to be concerned about Zach Wilson and that ultimate upside. But they picked him at number two for a reason. And I'm willing to give this new coaching staff, this new front office, a pass on all all past transactions that the Jets front office has made. They've made a lot of mistakes. But it seems like they're getting in, heading in the right direction here, and Zach Wilson's going to be a part of that. I, you know, having him on the field right away, fellas, that that can be seen as a negative by some. But I want to see him in this offense. Mm-hmm. We we're going to see that Kyle Shanahan offense there in New York with lots of that mesh concept and the the ball out of the hands quickly. That's quarterback friendly. That gives you an. We've seen guys like Jimmy Garoppolo really succeed in this off, offense. Zach Wilson can be that until he understands exactly how this quarterback position works in the NFL. And especially considering the weapons that they now have with the Jets. And I know it's not a Pro Bowl lineup or anything like that, but the upgrade to Corey Davis, uh, having Jamison Crowder, who, yeah, he may not be there once the season starts, but that probably means that Elijah Moore had a great offseason and is going to mix in immediately and play that slot, which is a great sign. So I, I think there is a lot, lot of things to be excited about with the Jets. And as dynasty managers, we have to be excited about Zach Wilson, even if we didn't fall in love with him in the pre-draft process. Matt, how do you feel? Are you, are you going to come along with us on, on the cash train? 
Yeah, I'll say cash as well, mostly because we're going to get starts out of them in year one, and there's a significant amount of evidence that shows that even if rookie quarterbacks are, are terrible, that their value still increases in super flex format. So uh, no matter what, I think you're going to end up with a, with a cash situation with him, whether it's through production or through an increased value from year one to year two. Yeah, the ceiling is certainly there with Wilson. He could be a guy that really takes off and, and goes under the radar just a little bit in dynasty leagues. It feels like he's underappreciated at this point compared to the other quarterbacks in this class. After helping out that offensive line later in the first round, the Jets went back to the skill positions. Wide receiver Elijah Moore early in round two out of Ole Miss. Matt, uh, another weapon for Zach Wilson, a guy that likely will get on the field right now. As I said before, Jamison Crowder, is there and will likely take snaps in the slot. If he is moved either by trade or uh, simply released, Elijah Moore could get on the field. So it's a tough call with Moore right now. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, just it's, he's going to be a product of that, that offense works out in, in year one, right? And he could certainly be a big part of their success. Uh, he's he's Jamison Crowder with more athletic ability and obviously more more youth. Uh, so uh, he's he's shown good production against top competition, good breakout age, all that kind of stuff that you want to see and lands in a, in a place where you think he's going to get opportunity right away. So I'm going to call him a cash player. Nice, right? He's a cash for me as well. Again, it's it's about that depth chart. And while, while there's a lot of names there, of course, Crowder's still there, Denzel Mims. They signed Corey Davis and, and Keelan Cole. I think it comes down to Elijah Moore's the most talented receiver in that group. Yeah, so we all expect him to get on the field early because I made him a cash play as well. I really, really think he's a, a guy that may take a few weeks, not a few years, to really come around and become part of our starting lineups, at least as a flex play there in New York. The Jets weren't done. Early in day three, they took Michael Carter. Now, the running back depth chart, much like the the wide receiver depth chart, Ryan, is littered with names, but but not exactly a stud, a guy that's going to get on the field a lot early with Tevin Coleman and LaMichael Pirine, Ty Johnson, those guys that, that have hung around on dynasty rosters for a little while now. Carter seems like there could be a chance for an opportunity for him, but he's a little bit undersized. He is, he is, and I, I don't think he's the type of back that's going to become the starter and, and run away with that job, but I do think he can be... Uh, an important part of that committee. And I went three for three on, on the Jets cash. Michael Carter cash for me as well. Okay. Right. Matt, how do you feel? Yeah, I, I agree. I think even if he, you know, isn't the lead back necessarily, how long is Tevin Coleman really going to stay healthy? We haven't seen that in quite a while. So there's potential that he could, you know, he could, he could, he's he's basically the same size, I believe, as Lamichael Pirine. So in terms of like size, like a size question, if he's going to be the the lead back in a committee, uh, I don't think that's really there once Coleman is out of the picture, right? So and he had three seasons of tw- over twenty receptions in college. So uh, I think he could easily be a cash player, and he could, maybe not necessarily a reliable every week starter, but you know when we get down into the the bye week gauntlet and we start needing players to fill in for all the running backs that are certainly going to get hurt again this season, he's somebody I think we're going to be we're going to be having in our, in our starting lineups maybe more often than we think at this point so absolutely cash 
Yeah, even though he's 5'8", just over 200 pounds, he didn't come in at that 185 that we see some of these pass-catching running backs come in at, which really uh, gives you pause before saying he can handle double-digit touch workload. It feels like he could handle 12 to 15 touches if he had to and could even develop into that kind of player a lot of people say he's the complimentary guy or the third down or pass catching back. I think he can be a little bit more than that. And because of that depth chart, I'm with you guys. He's going to be a cash player for me as well because that opportunity will come for sure in year one. And, and there's a good chance that he's the best running back on that roster. That wraps it up for the AFC East. Let's jump over to the NFC guys. A division that lacked a lot of talent, so needed a surge of it, really. Let's start at the top with the Washington football team, Ryan. They waited till round three to grab a skill position player. It was Diami Brown out of UNC. The wideout now mixes into a depth chart full of talent after this offseason. How do you see things shaking out for Diami in Washington, D.C.? I think he's a player that lost a little bit of dynasty value based on the the NFL draft. There was uh, some thought that he might go even higher than he did. Uh, but then landing in Washington, the, thinking about the moves that they made in free agency, specifically uh, Curtis Samuel also bringing in uh, Adam Humphreys. So th- that just feels like an all-around negative for Brown in the short term. I still like the player. I like the talent. So I went with a, a stash ranking for him. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say cash uh, for Diami Brown as well. It just it, you know I, I just think everything is there for him. He's got the quarterback that's gonna throw a deep. He's the deep ball receiver. Two consecutive seasons over a thousand yards and over twenty yards per reception. Can stack up defenders right off of the line of scrimmage like 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 not many other other players in this class to be honest with you so uh, I can see a scenario you know he, he, they did bring in, a, in some other veterans you know I, I am very excited about Curtis Samuel there as well um, but I do think Brown can cash for us in year one ah, a little bit of a surprise to me I went with stash as well because of the other weapons there I also considered the quarterback position and Fitzpatrick, I think everybody in the dynasty community feels relatively well about for this year. But beyond that, there are question marks as to how long he's going to play. And then if they have a quarterback that could potentially take over, that that could stunt the development of Diami Brown or, or maybe hold him back just a little bit. So I went with Stash as well. I, I think there's some upside for sure, but it's going to take just a minute to, to see it through. I think... Uh, the, Go ahead. Sorry, Dan. I, Matt made the point about Brown being the deep threat, which he, he certainly showed in college. That yards per catch was was crazy, uh, basically throughout his entire college career. Uh, I, I just wonder how this offense is going to try to use Curtis Samuel because when he was with this same coaching staff uh, in Carolina, they tried to turn him into a deep threat, and that's really why he wasn't successful early in his career. Uh, last year was was when he had that breakout year and he was used completely different, more underneath. So I hope they use Brown as that deep guy and and you know let Samuel kind of roam the shorter uh, shorter field. Yeah, and if if he does get that opportunity, as you said, he, that that pushes him closer to being that cash player, right? Because he could make the make the big splash in year one with Fitzpatrick spreading the field and and trying to push the ball downfield. So. I think there's certainly upside and their potential for it. It's just, it, it probably doesn't feel likely to me. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to round seven when they took wide receiver Dax Milne out of BYU. 
Um, any anything here, guys? Is is there a chance for Dax to to make his mark early in his career? Are we thinking stash, or or is this a guy that's going to be lucky to make a team, Matt? Uh, yeah, I think he's probably trash. He probably, you know, really got any as little publicity as he did because of Zach Wilson's season, you know. So, uh, yeah, I'm not super confident in him. Not a lot of deep speed. I'm not really sure where he fits in on that, If especially if they are going to use Curtis Samuel in those short areas like, they, like, he, like he was used last year in Carolina, right? So I'm just not really sure where he fits with this offense right now. Maybe he surprises in, in camp and he's a name to watch, but uh, right now not somebody I'm looking at. Yeah, so I uh, I sent uh, Dax Milne a DM uh, earlier oh. before the draft, and he answered me. So uh, I'm not going to call him trash, <laughs> but I'm also not going to draft him. So. What did you DM him, Ryan? I got to know. I can't tell you. Oh, no. man. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, he was one of the players that was uh, difficult to find his birth date, and I, okay. I DM'd him and asked him, and he, he answered me. Nice. I figured maybe you asked him how to pronounce his last name because I wasn't sure. <laughs> I should have done the that. show. I had to look it up. <laughs> I should have done that too. Yeah, I, I did it. According to BYU's website, it is Milne. So uh, let's move on to the New York Giants. Uh, they went wide receiver early as well. Kadarius Tony, you guys, as a duo, fellas, you've thrown <laughs> your. The, there's been his fair share of shade thrown on Kadarius Tony. Oh, it's not I'm just a lone us. supporter. <laughs> oh, I know for sure. I'm the lone supporter on the podcast, though. I certainly think there's a lot of upside when it comes to Kadarius Tony. But I got to know what you think, man. I've I've been coming around stronger again. I've mentioned his name before, but uh, Paul pretty easy over Saturday to Sunday. He has a lot of the good things to say about him, and I definitely respect his opinion when it comes to looking at prospects. It's really hard to get back from an analytical standpoint to look at. Uh, did not a, no, no breakout until his senior season, and then 2019. This is the most insane stats to me. And I know he was hurt throughout his career, and he didn't play wide receiver for his entire career, all that kind of stuff. But in 2019, uh, P. He only had eight percent of the target share, which was behind Lamichael P. Ryan Van. Jefferson and Sweat and Freddie Swain. So I, I just don't know exactly what was holding him back in college, right? Other than those injuries, I guess. Yeah, it was injuries for sure. Ryan, what are your thoughts here? Cash, stash, or trash? Uh, ultimately, I'm going stash. I do think there's a, a lot of competition for targets uh, for an incoming rookie. Uh, of course, Slayton, Shepard, they signed Galladay. Uh, I did not even know this until now or did not remember this. They also signed John Ross. Uh, I'm not not too worried about that one, but was was surprised <laughs> to see his name there. Um, and then obviously Evan Ingram and, and Saquon are going to get their targets as well. Um, so I, I think that's what pushes him into that uh, that stash category. But I mean, going back to what Matt said, you know, we 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 saw a breakout for uh, a lot of those players in their final season and um, or this past season, I should say. And, and I really think it's because of Kyle Trask, um, that quarterback play, you know, Felipe Franks and, and the other guys they were trotting out before were, were just horrible. So uh, I don't want to hold that against, um, against Tony too much. Uh, the, I, I'm actually going to go with stash as well. 
partly because of the reasons that you guys mentioned there. I, I really like Tony and his upside. The, the injuries are certainly a concern, so that, that could crop its ugly head once again. The other thing for me that really worries me, I guess, is the, the coaching staff in New York. Mm, and yeah. J- Jason Garrett calling plays, he is not a creative guy. Him and Kadarius Tony just don't mesh to me. That's not an offensive coaching staff where you think, let's get a playmaker into that offense that they can get the ball to in creative ways in space. Uh, really, they don't do that. Even with Saquon Barkley at times, you think, come on, when are you going to get this guy in space to do something with the football rather than just hand it up the, up the middle to, to Saquon? So hopefully he changes his ways a little bit. I don't know if he will. It may take a little bit of time to to get used to Tony and his skill set. Hopefully not because he can be electrifying with the ball in his hands. The Giants, speaking of Saquon Barkley, uh, added a running back, a backup. Gary Brightwell in round six out of Arizona. Matt, how do you feel about Brightwell? Is he a guy that can mix in, or are we likely looking at him at, on waiver wires a year from now? He's probably a waiver wire guy. He's he's interesting because he is a former slot receiver, so he's going to have receiving shots. But as long as uh, you know, as long as Saquon is healthy and there's four uh, four or five other guys on the on the roster right at that position, then it's it's hard to see any kind of playing time for him unless he truly separates himself, you know, somewhere early in the early in the process. And and with all of those receivers that kind of do the same thing as he might do in the short area, like like Tony, for example, then it's really tough to see any path for him, unfortunately. Ryan, looking at that depth chart behind Saquon, they added Corey Clement and Devontae Booker, who that coaching staff apparently likes, and Raquel Armstrong as well. So Brightwell has a long ways to go to get on the field. Are you leaning towards trash? Yeah, I think we have to with, with all, all of these factors being the, uh, the sixth-round pick. But uh, I'm not too worried about the depth chart. I mean, Corey Clement and Armstead, I do like, I, I like Booker. I think he's uh, kind of overlooked by the fantasy community. If, if I've got uh, Saquon, I'm certainly trying to get Devonte Booker on my roster, but honestly, probably, probably not bothering with Gary Brightwell who I've never heard of yeah. until now. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to pass as well. He's going to be, he's going to be trash <laughs> for me as well. The Dallas Cowboys one dip their toe, I guess, into the skill positions round five after taking a whole lot of defense. They went with Simi Foco, out of Stanford, the wide receiver, tall guy, can run a little bit, Matt. Uh, that Dallas depth chart when it comes to wide receivers is pretty stacked. Can Simi Fooko make a make a run at some playing time down the road? Uh, he could be – I think he can be a stash player for sure. He can play a big slot role for them. This is the last season that they're going to presumably have Michael Gallup on the roster, and then it'll be – you know, maybe even Amari moves on too. So you could be looking at Lamb, Cooper, and, and – and then uh, he's competing with guys like Noah Brown and Cedric Wilson. So you can see a, you can see a, a, a way for him to be a, a contributor in the offense at the very least in, in 2022. But 2021 looks looks a little bit rough for Fahoku. How about you, Ryan? Yeah, I've got him as a stash, and I agree with what Matt said as far as one of these guys, either either Gallup or Amari, maybe both of them are, are likely gone um, a year from now. So I do think. Eventually, there will be some opportunity, and and I also like the fact that they they don't just run these three wide receiver sets, and it's the three mm-hmm. stars and nobody else. You know, we we saw Cedric Wilson have a two or three game stretch where he made an impact. We saw Noah Brown get on the field quite a bit, and, and you look at the players they've they've drafted or they've uh, added to the roster this this off season. Uh, Fahoko was the only one they drafted, but. 
they signed TJ Vasher and, and Brendan Eagles and Osiris Mitchell. If you're a Debbie Debbie guy, you know, all of those names, uh, that they're looking for something at wide receiver, maybe planning as we're talking about planning for that year or two out when their depth chart looks very different than it does now. I really like what Matt said there, that, that big slot, that guy with a little bit of speed that, that that's a little bit different than what they have on their roster. Yep. So there's, there's an opportunity there down the road. It's certainly a stash and maybe even a long-term stash because of the other names. Your, your point is well taken as well, Ryan, that, that these guys do mix in there. There are opportunities in Dallas at wide receiver. You can get on the field if you make an impact in, in practice. So hopefully Fajoko can do that. And, you know, we're the three of us are in a lot of these leagues that are rookie auctions rather than rookie drafts. So while, while Fajoko isn't going in the third round in most drafts, he's, he's a fourth rounder, a guy on, on the free agent market that you can grab in these auctions He's even going for two or three bucks, just a just a grab at the end of the auction type of guy, and that's the kind of guy that I can slide into the last spot in on my roster. The last team we're going to cover today, guys, is the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they traded up to get Devonta Smith in the first round at the one ten out of Alabama. Devonta Smith, are we going to get one more cash player in here, Matt? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you have to think that he's going to probably be the target leader in 2021 right for the Eagles offense so it's it's, uh, that whole offense is going to rely on how Jalen Hurts progresses from year one to year two we like what we saw in in limited action last season Uh, I'm I'm honestly though I'm I'm not I don't I don't think I have any shares yet of Smith and I'm not I have a couple rookie drafts left I'm not sure that I will but I want to use the hype surrounding Smith right now to go out and 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 add uh, Jalen Rager for a second round pick because that's something I've seen happen multiple times Um, but in terms of Smith just because of, of target volume in year one as long as he's on the field as long as he's healthy as long as he he breaks all of those stigmas about his size then he's going to be a cash player for sure yeah outside of Rager you're looking at Travis Fulgham who made an impact last year but I don't think anybody's uh it was a fun four weeks to say yeah it was a fun run <laughs> and things like that but he, he's not going to be a a long-term big playmaker uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Arcega he's kind of faded in, in years past. And, and Greg Ward, I mean, the, the depth chart, Ryan, is not deep with names. There are opportunities here with the Eagles, and especially with Hertz, who likes to move around, of course, behind the line of scrimmage and create opportunities for his receivers down the field. The, the sky is the limit for Smith as early as probably week one. Totally agree. He has to be a cash player. Uh Looking at their wide receiver, uh, their leading target wide receivers last year, it was Greg Ward, still on that roster. But, I mean, we, we kind of know the story with him. He's just taking advantage of an opportunity. Uh, 2019, Alshon Jeffrey, he is gone. 2018, Golden Tate, he is gone. And Zach Ertz is soon to be gone as well, if we believe these reports. And, and I definitely do. So, uh, absolutely cash. But I also agree with Matt. I, I think we're – we're forgetting about and giving up on Jalen Rager way too soon, especially with the news. Especially with the news that Rager is going to get a lot, a lot of play in the slot, which yep. I think is going to be better for him anyway. So, uh, yeah. Although I think certainly his strength, I, I think Smith is probably you know if we wanted to really break it down by by wide receiver types, he's probably more is going to be more successful from the slot in the NFL as well. So it, it honest, honestly it feels a little bit like not necessarily the Giants this year because they've got Kenny Galladay there, right? But just like this collection of maybe wide NFL wide receiver two types that you know you have to we're going to have to see which one is able to take the lead, I guess. 
Yeah, and maybe the one that that coaching staff starts to move around a lot and, and finds opportunities to get the ball because they do blend a little bit, overlap each other just a, a little bit. But I really see Rager as that traditional slot, the the guy with the the quickness to get open on underneath routes, and, and Smith more as that gadget-type slot receiver. So I think there's room for both of them in the same offense. Certainly, though, it feels like they need that outside threat, a, a big guy on the outside to spread the defense out and keep them off that line of scrimmage. Uh, the last player we should talk about here is Kenneth Gainwell out of Memphis. He went in the fifth round to the Eagles, so kind of muddies the water, Ryan, when it comes to that depth chart. Uh, certainly a lot of Miles Sanders fans on this show, this, well, it doesn't, uh, doesn't totally, uh, uh, hurt Sanders and his upside, even in the short term, there's reason to be concerned with Gainwell being that pass catcher. Yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, we're still talking about a fifth round running back and, and kind of like I said, with, with Dallas, this team and this coaching staff is trying to figure out this backfield as well. Not only did they draft Gainwell, but they bring back Jordan Howard. They sign um, on Johnson, and, and Boston Scott is still there. So they're, uh, they're trying to fill out that depth chart with, with some names too. Uh, ultimately, Gainwell just, just has to be a stash, uh, and, and I think he could overtake Boston Scott as that uh, third down back type. But uh, if – if there's concern for Miles Sanders, I would I would want to take advantage of that. It feels like the Carryon Johnson and Jordan Howard signings uh, are really insurance policies for a Sanders injury. That's what it seems like to me. Yeah, and I we we had a huge thing on Twitter like when once Carryon was signed, everybody was talking about how much this hurts Miles Sanders, and I just don't get it at all. It seems like both he and Howard are the the clear backups that are going to be competing for touches behind Sanders, and then they dropped a Gainwell to kind of play the Boston Scott role if Boston Scott can't do it right. Which you know it did hurt Sanders from a from a reception standpoint down the stretch, but I still think Sanders is far and away the best back on that roster, and I think he's going to be fine for fantasy, and we shouldn't be concerned about any of these other guys on the roster uh, as, as long as Sanders is healthy. Yeah, we're going to see Devonta Smith get some of those touches too, those those backfield motion, uh, jet sw- fake jet sweep, screen pass type throws in the flat. So they're, they're going to have to be creative in Philadelphia with the playmakers that they have on their roster. They, man, they desperately need that big outside threat that can make plays in the red zone, it feels like to me. So that gets us through, guys, the AFC and NFC East. Next week we get to splash around in the AFC and NFC South to talk about a lot of, a lot of big-name rookies as well there, trying to identify some of the rookie cash stash and future trash players out of this year's nfl draft that's going to do it for this episode of the dlf dynasty podcast we appreciate you tuning in and we'll catch you again next week